It's hour two of First Up here on TSN 1050. Karolnik and Kolei Akavo live on your radio, live streaming, podcasting, and on demand through the iHeart Radio Canada app. It's the new Dave Matthews Band song, Coco, that came out. Interesting. Uh, or that's quite the track, too. Ooh, listen to that. Those strings. And there's Dave Matthews still kicking it after all these years. The Toronto Maple Leafs have been off. The last couple of days following their win over the Washington Capitals on Sunday. You heard John Tavares on Overdrive yesterday. Great chat. Would highly recommend going back in the podcast and checking that one out. And, I mean, they've got a game tomorrow night, do they? Against the Boston Bruins. The team that has lost three games in a row. And my guess is the Boston Bruins may be a little bit disappointed by the big news in the NHL yesterday. That Bo Horvat was traded from the Vancouver Canucks to the New York Islanders, a team that nobody really had as a prime suitor for Horvat, but clearly the Islanders look at themselves as a team that maybe could make a run here in the five weeks leading up to the NHL trade deadline. But for a team like Boston, for a team like Tampa, Carolina, the top contenders, maybe the Colorado Avalanche, maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs, you scratch one name off the board. So you bring some others to the forefront. I think about Ryan O'Reilly with St. Louis. I think about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, Timo Meyer. Those guys, I'm sure all the negotiations and the packages that were offered to the Vancouver Canucks for Horvat probably just transferred right over. It's like, hey, Kyle Davidson in Chicago, we offered this for Horvat. We'll give you the exact same package for Patrick Kane plus a second rounder. What do you say? And I'm sure these negotiations will pick up over the next couple of weeks, and it's about to become really interesting around the National Hockey League. Well, the marketplace has been set, right? I mean, when you have all these names that are potentially available and you're hearing you know, teams are checking in or they're having discussions, I think a lot of people are just trying to establish what the package would look like. Well, considering Bo Horvat was one of the highly desired and sought-after names, and now we see what the package looked like. Clearly, it was good enough for Vancouver to say yes. You think he was the number one most desired asset? 31 goals, man. I mean, you could argue Patrick Kane, though. The, the thing about Patrick Kane is health with him. There's, there's speculation out there that he's dealing with a significant injury that is making himself question whether he wants to continue this season or address Yikes. it with surgery. Oof. And... The other question about Patrick Kane is, does he want to get traded? Right? I mean, he holds the cards. He, he holds, you know, the, the, the decision in his own hands of whether he wants to remain uh, uh, a Chicago Blackhawk for life or if he wants to take another run at it. And you know what? Our boys at Missing Curfew, Shane O'Brien and, and, and Scotty Upshaw, had Ryan Getzloff on their show the other day. And they posted a very, very interesting clip uh, yesterday. And it was Scotty Upshaw basically asking Ryan Getzlaff, Hey, Getzy, if you were Patrick Kane, what would you do? Because remember, Ryan Getzlaff was in the same scenario as Patrick Kane three years ago as a member of the Anaheim Ducks. It's true. He decided to decline any trade. And then he re-upped for one more year to stay in Anaheim to make sure he finished his career in Anaheim. He basically said... If I'm Patrick Kane, you have to decide how much you still love the game. Because for Ryan Getzlaff, he was a guy that you know had young kids, was in a family, really prioritized playing for one organization his whole career. But he also said to himself that like my body can't 
that can't play another four or five years. But if your love and desire is to play another three, four years, however long you envision you playing, well, then, yeah, maybe the best scenario for you is to go somewhere where the engine sparks again. You know, you go into a team that's ready to win. It's fun playing hockey again. You're excited about the surroundings and, you know, the potential of you winning another Stanley Cup. If that if that drive isn't there for you, well, then, yeah, you could just say to yourself, I just want to be a Blackhawk for life and I'm well, going to stay here. Here would be my question with regards to Patrick Kane, and she's pointing out Timo Meyer would perhaps be the best guy remaining. You could argue Kane, Meyer, maybe O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Sure, I mean, you could probably make an argument what for all What if there's three. other names that pops up? There too. could be other names that pop up, but if you're Kane... You'd be a Blackhawk for life. Like, are we certain Chicago wants to give him like a long-term contract extension of the money he's going to be looking for, considering where they are in their state well, of literally the franchise? Well, literally, they have no choice. What, do you, mean, mean, what if, do you mean they have no if choice? If Patrick Kane goes to the organization and says, I want to be a Blackhawk for life, out of respect for Patrick Kane and everything he's done, they're going to do... They're not going to give him an eight-year deal. No, they'll give him a one, two-year... They'll see how long he wants to play. Well, he's he's not... He's one year removed from a 90-plus-point season. He's oh, not I'm washed not, up. He's got again, a lot left. But you don't know how the body feels. Yeah. Right? That, that, and that, those a, lot things, of, a lot of playoff runs right, on that body. Those are the things you have to factor. Same thing with Jonathan Taves. I mean, he's a guy that'll probably face the same questions and, and, and scenarios. So, yeah, when I look at the number one guy available, to me it was Bo Horvat. You know, just with age, production, contract value, motivation. I mean, this guy wants to win. The center ice. I mean, center ice is a center ice are the most desired players to that any team wants. And now you're the Islanders. You trade for him. You got a one-two punch of Barzell and Horvat. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And and the thing that, you know, you, when you evaluate the trade to the Islanders, first thing people say is, okay, well, they made this trade. They gave up these assets. Do they have a contract lined up for him? I don't think Lou Lamorello makes this move without having the 100% full intention of signing him. Why don't we hear from Lou Lamorello, who commented on the trade. Again, it was Anthony Bavoulier. Terrible pronunciation. Beauvillier. Atu Ratu went as well. A top prospect, top finish prospect, and a top 12 protected pick back to Vancouver. Here is Lamorello on what he wants to do with Horvat. I dispute that it's a trade about just this year. Uh, it's our intention to retain him, uh, certainly, uh, uh, for more than this year. Uh, you don't make these type of transactions without that in place. And uh, although it's not in place, uh, we feel comfortable that uh, we'll work at getting that done. And and I, I don't expect their mindset to be any different than what Lou says. To me, this is Lou's last shot at trying to trying to make something out of this Islanders team that he's clearly had a hard time doing over the last two seasons because they have an aging roster. They're stuck up against the cap. They just fired one of the best coaches in the game of hockey. They have one of the best young goaltenders in the league. And now they just traded for a very significant impact piece. And he's doing it because he's got Barzell locked up long-term. If you put Bo Horvat in a one-two punch with Matt Barzell, it's a, those are two pretty good pieces to build around. And especially against a team that struggles as mightily as they do offensively to score goals. Does this help ignite their offense? Well, they better hope it does, because 
when this move got made to the Islanders, the first thing I did was look at the Islanders' depth chart. They have a lot of a center icemen, a lot of center icemen that are making a ton of money. Barzell, $9 million. Brock Nelson, $6 million. Pajot, $5 million. Casey Zizekas is their fourth-line centerman, just making close to $3 million. Where does Bo, is Bo Horvat coming in to play center in that roster, or is somebody going to be asked to shift to the wing? Because now that's another decision you have to make. I don't think they make the move for Bo Horvat putting him on the wing. So somebody on that roster that's been there has to accept moving to the wing now. Yeah, not to mention, if you want to sign him long-term, I don't think the best show of faith is, hey, by the way, we're going to slide you away from your natural position. Right. It's like, uh, right. why would he's, I want to do he's that? He's one of the best face-off yeah, guys in the league. Exactly. It doesn't make much sense there. So you can say what you want about the trade. Now they start have to put the pieces in the play. And, and what this does for Lou, too, is you can have every intention in the world to sign Bo Horvat. What if Bo Horvat doesn't want to be an Islander? What if Bo Horvat has said to himself, Vancouver is the only place I want it to be. But if it wasn't in Vancouver, I'm five months away from picking wherever I want to play. Why would I rush to judgment now? Now, look, money talks. Make me an offer. I can't refuse. Money talks. And if he's being offered a deal he can't refuse, I don't think he's pulling a Johnny Goudreau and leaving an extra $20 million on the table. And I'm sure that was a learning lesson for a lot of guys, including Bo Horvat, the Johnny Goudreau situation, where it's like, all right, we got the, you got the bird in hand. Right. You may as well take it. And, you know, Long Island's not the worst place to play. No, they have great rink. They got a great, they got great fan base. Everybody that plays there loves it. Have you envisioned yourself being a New York guy? New York isn't for everybody. It wasn't definitely for me. I... Would I turn down to play for any team? Never. I would never, ever turn out. But you, you offer me a contract, I'm signing where you want me to play. If, but if I had the choice, I would never choose New York. I'm just not a big city guy. That's just me. I don't, I don't like You're it. You're an Oakville guy. <laughs> an Oakville guy. You're an Oakville guy. But it's funny because when I look at Bo Horvath, because clearly he's been on all the screens you know, answering the questions and stuff, and we'll listen to some of the comments he made. I've been watching a lot of Entourage lately. Mm-hmm. Do you know the name Alan Walsh in Entourage? Alan Walsh. Not Alan Walsh, the agent. Yeah, the guy who runs the studio, right. screws over Vince. His yeah. real name in life is Paul Ben Victor. Okay. When you get a chance, Google Paul Ben Victor. He looks exactly like Bo Horvat. Really? <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. Doesn't he have the heart attack when he's playing golf with Phil yes. Mickelson? Yeah. Yes. Paul Ben Victor. would be a lot older than Bo Horvat. Maybe it's, maybe it's Bo Horvat's like distant cousin. Or I, when you look at him, he's like, oh my God, it's I, Bo I thought you were going to make uh, Kevin Connolly, E from Entourage right. Reference, who's a massive New York Islander. He's a New York He lives you know, in LA. He's a but, big yeah. fan too, Doug Ellen. Doug Ellen, I think yeah, I think he likes the Islanders, but those guys live you out there. Get him on as a guest. They I'm actually going to message Coast. him in the break. Yeah, message Kevin Connolly too. Yeah. We're big fans. I don't of have his of number. Kevin I have Doug Collins. Allen's number. Yeah, we though. could get Doug. We'll see how he's doing. He's working on a lot of stuff. Victory the podcast, quality content mm. uh, there. But yeah, man, the whole, I'm obsessed though, with Entourage again, man. Yeah, I just keep watching reruns of dude, it. I, I can I can almost recite every line it of is, Entourage. I can't believe how good that show was. Yeah, season one, season two, about as good as it gets. Yeah. Now, when Sasha Gray makes an appearance, kind of tails off. Right. When Vince becomes addicted <laughs> to drugs, it's like yeah. all right. At okay. that point, they were reaching for storylines. No lines. kidding. But anyways, There's always so much great content. You back to watch. hockey. Yes. An interesting storyline that this presents, too, for the Islanders is now they've got five weeks to try to get Bo Horvat to uh, commit long-term 
to the organization because, look, they don't make a move like this without every intention to sign him, regardless of what it costs, because they know what it could mean. You're talking about the next eight years with Barzell and Horvat as your number one, number two center. It's a pretty good start. Pretty good. But if it doesn't work out and the Alders fall out of the playoff race, because right now they're two points out, which is why this was a very, very big shock of a move for a lot of people to uh, absorb, does Lou Lamorello turn around and, and flip them and Could recoup be. those assets? Yeah, let's say the market is altered. I mean, O'Reilly goes for something more than Horvat went for, and Lamorello's sitting there. It's like, hmm. I mean, we took our shot here. We had four weeks with Horvat. Yeah. And just hasn't worked out. We're five and, points out of the playoffs. Let's let's try to bring back all the assets we just moved out. And all signs and all speculation coming out of St. Louis is that Ryan O'Reilly wants to remain a St. Louis Blue, and he's willing to take a discount to do it. Is the discount enough for Doug Armstrong to say, okay, we value you as our captain, we value you as a leader on this team, we'll do it just to keep you? Or does Doug Armstrong say, I need to rebuild? Building around Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and focus on next year. Because it wouldn't be a bad idea to recoup as many assets as you potentially can for this coming draft which is considered to be a very deep one. You know where Ryan O'Reilly would fit in very nicely? The old stomping grounds in Colorado. And, and the, all that does now for St. Louis just ups the price. No, no, now, that's exactly you it. Got, you got teams that missed out on Horvat that are saying, okay, well, if we missed out on him, who's the next best guy? We can't Colorado, miss out on him. Colorado, Boston, Seattle, Carolina, all those teams were looking at Horvat for sure. And it maybe makes the a lot Maple of sense. Leafs too. And maybe the Maple Leafs were as well. I'm sure they made a call to see what the price was. So the interesting question I have, and a lot of people have messaged me personally about this, that deal didn't seem like much. The Islanders won this deal. They didn't give up much. Why couldn't the Leafs make a deal like that? What does that deal look like for the Maple Leafs? So it's nice. Uh, is is nice? I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't know if nice is is raw to you, but I think the Leafs' first round pick is less valuable than the Islanders' first round right. pick. So the way I would look at it is, if you're the Leafs, how you would construct a deal like this is you would put Kerfoot in the deal to, to yeah, supplement. He would be, he would to be supplement the yeah. Beauvillier. Yep. Nick Robertson. You think but, Nick Robertson has as much value as Atu Ratu? I think so. Maybe, I mean, maybe I don't know. He's a goal scorer. He's, he fits yeah, in the range uh, of what you know, the, the barely barely played in the last three years. But I, I yeah. get it. I get it. But I'm saying, so then you you throw the first round pick into there. You probably have to add another sweetener into that because of the health status of Robertson. To me, Nyes is a more desirable prospect than what Ratu is in my eyes. Yeah. You know what? Why don't we ask Chris Johnston, our hockey insider? He's all over this. I saw him that on that's hockey last night discussing this very situation and you know if the Leafs were to make a deal for Ryan O'Reilly or for a Timo Meyer or Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, whatever it is, what does that package look like because the market was set yesterday. That's what it looks like. So how do the Leafs make a deal of their own in that vein and are they willing to do so? It's a very reasonable question and my guess is the answer is probably no but remains to be seen still five weeks or so left until the nhl trade deadline we've got make sense or nonsense on the other side again chris johnson our hockey insider with all the details on horvat and everything around the national hockey league first up continues on this frosty tuesday morning we'll be back after this 
Makes all the sense in the world to listen to TSN 1050 all day long, at least to first off until 10 a.m. as we'll be giving away the keyword for the Waste Management Open Contest we've been running for a couple weeks. The grand prize winner announced on Friday morning. and This Friday? This Friday. Wow. We'll be calling, calling the winner live on the show. Weekend. I know, I know. Wow. Getting close, getting close. And the Waste Management Open running simultaneous to the Super Bowl. So that should be quite the weekend down in Scottsdale, Arizona. Is Rory going to play in that? Um, I don't know. I have not seen the field yet for that. My guess is probably not. Why? He's in Dubai right now. I think he's going to be doing the little European tour The swing. DP? Yeah, the Dubai Desert Classic as we're watching Rory drain a 20-foot putt here on the screens live in studio. So this is Make Sense or Nonsense. Our producer Cheese has some scenarios for us. Coco, you and I will debate whether or not they make sense. Go ahead, Chris. Lou Lamorello deserves praise for trading for Bo Horvat despite being out of a playoff spot right now. Uh, That makes a ton of sense. I've been saying it all morning. Lou Lamorello is a very well-respected man in the in the game of hockey. And I think he he has a good feel on his job and his position. He probably understands how much pressure he's on because this is a team that he built, and he probably understands that this is his last chance to try to improve this team. And he took a swing, a big swing, at, Bo- at Bo Horvat because think about the things he struck out on using baseball reference. Struck out on Nazem Kadri in the offseason. Struck out on... Um, Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau. So, if this was the only way he could find somebody to come to the island, well, I don't necessarily think they gave up much. Beauvillier was a guy that was, you know, middle of the lineup guy. He's what, fine. Like, Beauvillier is a, has a career 39 points. He's, he, I think he's Alex Kerfoot, is how, is how you Pretty put much. it in, Le- in Leafs terms. Atu yeah. Ratu, okay. He's, he's a highly touted prospect. The, fir- the first-round pick is top 12 protected in case they don't make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, he doesn't care what that first-round pick looks like because he did what exactly what that move was intended to do, help this team get better. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the trades that uh, Lou Lamorell has made for first-round picks... I mean, you can go back 10 years. He traded the ninth overall pick, which was Bo Horvat, to the Vancouver Canucks for Corey Schneider. Mm-hmm. Now he's got both of them in the organization. He's got both of them in the organization. Whatever happened to Corey Schneider? Just like I fell off the planet. Yeah, I think injury. I think he's in like the AHL or something. He was like really good he at sure one was. point in time. And you look at the first round picks that he's given up in the in just recently. I mean, he traded a couple of them for Pajot. Traded a cu- traded one for Romanoff, made the Horvat one, but then his best player that he traded, Devin Taves, he got two first two second round picks for them. Yeah, and he's been a superstar for superstar. Colorado. Yeah, that was a so, questionable one. Makes make it makes sense for this trade. Yeah, I, I think it would Jeez. make I think it makes sense, but it would make a lot more sense if he's able to retain Horvat long term. And listening to Lamorello speak to the media yesterday. I think he's got some big plans for that, and they probably have a number in mind, a term in mind. I don't know if it's eight years or whatever it would be for Horvat, and we'll see if Horvat and his agent decide to make that deal. And a little tidbit the of the deal was Vancouver retained twenty five percent too true. Of that deal for this season because the, the the Islanders are in cap hell. Yeah, I think Vancouver will be doing a lot of retention. And so, if trades. you're talking about signing Horvat to nine plus million dollars a year. They still have to remove some players on that roster. 
Could be a challenge for our man Lou. Go ahead, Chris. Let's stay on Bo Horvat. Patrick Alvin's assessment that the Canucks can say they got three first rounders back for Horvat is correct. Yeah, that seems like a stretch to me. I'm kind of confused at that logic and Patrick well, Alvin. I mean, let's say what say you can say whatever he wants. That's his interpretation of what Atu Ratu is. I mean, the player they've got in in Bavolier is not a first round pick. He's not worth a first round pick. Well, no, I don't think so, anybody so, would trade and, a first round the, pick the, to, to acquire. So him. is he saying that Ratu's worth two firsts? Well, Ratu was apparently in his draft year was the guy at the beginning of the season was supposed to be number one overall. Yeah. He slid because of a poor season and other off-ice issues to the second round, which is where the Islanders drafted him. Beauvillier, you look at his profile, yeah, he was a former first-round pick, 28th overall. Has he played and produced like a first-round pick? Absolutely not. And the first-round pick in this year's draft. So I think that's where Alvin is basically summarizing the deal, trying to pump his... The stretch. Trying to give himself a little more credit that they believe they got good value and the value they were looking for in any type of package for Horvat. Seems like a stretch to me, though. I mean, yeah. you can rationalize it however you want. And Jim Rutherford, the president of Hockey Ops there, was like, oh, there's going to be major surgery needed. You trade a guy like Bo Horvat, that's the beginning of the major surgery. That's the and, first incision. And look, I mean, when you're talking about I like that. Thank you. Way. That was pretty good. That's like I, a Craig Button line on SportsCenter. Yes. I I think anybody that envisioned what a Bo Horvat trade would look like, we're probably looking at something that looked a little bit bigger and a little bit more juicier than this trade. But there's people that say this is a win for both teams. So it is what it is. Over to the Leafs. Joseph Wall will start more games than Matt Murray after the All-Star break. (laughs) I think that's That's probably nonsense. Joseph Wall's had a great year with the Marlies. He's been on fire. But Matt Murray's got a big ticket. And I think when all is said and done, Matt Murray is still... I know this is kind of... People will be like, well, really? You believe this? Matt Murray is still going to be the Leafs starter when the playoffs roll around. There's a long way to go until April. Matt Murray has a lot of of, you know, road as far as getting healthy and becoming productive once again. He's got the playoff experience. Leafs are going to give him every opportunity. That being said, he's banged up right now, but they're off, as, after Wednesday, they have nine days off until their next game. Yeah. February 1st to February 10th. So, that's a lot of time to get that ankle right. And, and look, I think that's nonsense. I don't think Joseph Wall is playing more games than Matt Murray, but it's funny because on my Leaf Buddies group chat yesterday, all the talk was, we got to sign Samsonov. we got to lock oh, him come up. come on. we got to give him a five-year deal. you got to be tweeting He's the future of Five-year deal? I'm like, guys, you realize it's January, right? Tell them to check Samsonov's splits from last year, first half, second half. I don't need half. to even tell them that. I, all I need to say is, guys, they are not giving a goalie a five-year deal when Matt Murray is still under contract. For if, if maybe year. if Vasilevsky was like, hey, Dubas. Uh, if, if, if Matt Murray was not under contract for next year, then yeah, I could see it happening. But if we've learned anything about the Maple Leafs, they do not value the goalie position as a position they want to pay a lot of money well, to. Well, there's that, and if we've learned anything about the Maple Leafs, if we've learned anything about goaltending in the National Hockey League, it is way too inconsistent yes. from year to year to commit to I Samsonov. Agree. And they're saying, oh, Samsonov, oh yeah, he'll sign for 3.5. <laughs> if you're Samsonov and you came to Toronto in a prove-it deal, and you're having the season that you're having, 
Why would you settle for 3.5 when there's other goalies, there's other teams in the league that need goalies just as much? Totally. Who cares if he's an RFA? RFAs doesn't mean anything. You know who runs the RFA discussion? The agents. The agents will find a way to get him paid. Look, do I love do I like Samsonov? Yeah, I like him. I think I would love for the Leafs to, you know, give Samsonov a run here. Maybe offer him, you know, give him another two, three years to show what he can do. But not at the expense while Matt Murray is still here at just under $5 million next year. A short-term Especially deal. when you've got guys like Wall and Shalgren that can come in for less yes. next year. But this is what I... So I did a lot of thinking about this Murray conversation because you know there was a lot of talk about it yesterday. I, I, it, it really, I don't want to say this and question people, but I really question if the Maple Leafs are telling the truth about Matt Murray. They said he was dealing with an issue that flared up. He was practicing all week. If that was really bothering him and where they were concerned about it flaring up, why was he practicing all week normally with the intent that he was ready to play? And how did this happen in warm-up? Well, I mean, we don't know the severity of the ankle before he tweaked it. I mean, listen, you could have a sore ankle and do things. And and, if it and was bothering him that much, why was he practicing the way that he was practicing? Well, he noticed he was practicing and not playing. And obviously that has a large, large part to do with how Samson was playing. You put Samson more strain on the way you practice sometimes because you're out there doing goalie drills, practices, post-practice and stuff like that. If they if they were saying that this is something that's been bothering him and it flared up, why the heck was he practicing? It's a fair question. I couldn't tell you like, the answer. <laughs> that the whole Murray situation, it's not only this instance, it's but just, even early in the season, it's kind of just weird. And you know what? I hate Uncommon. questioning this about players, but Matt Murray has not done himself any favors with the predicaments he continues to put on himself. And and ironically, it's against the same team. This happened His early in the season against former too. teams. Yeah. So it's like, look, I hope whatever he's dealing with gets right because the Maple Leafs need him. But to me, it just it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. But now we've got 10 days to not worry about Conspiracy it. Conspiracy theorist Carlo back at it here on First Off. Go ahead, Cheese. Over to the NFL. If Patrick Mahomes defeats the Eagles in two weeks' time, he deserves to be considered the second greatest QB of all time at just 27 years old. I, I, who would be the first? Brady? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I, look, I think this makes sense. Wow. With Patrick Mahomes, I mean, even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, in his first five years in the league, he's been in four of them. Through five years. Four, three, yes. three of them. But at three all time, I mean, you're, you're going to put him ahead of Peyton Manning and Brett Favre and Johnny Unitas and Joe Namath and all these guys, who Dan Marino, all these guys who accomplished so much of the regular season, all time okay, but, is a but, massive but, but stretch. Did those guys accomplish anything no, no, close to Mahomes five years. their first five years? No, 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 nobody has. Only Brady right. has. But, I mean, you're talking about all-time placement at through five years. Yes, through five years for sure, but... Just all through all time period. I mean, come on. Well, you can't you can't make that assumption right now through all time. But if no, exactly. If you're if you're measuring all time through the first five years of his career, yes, for sure. Oh, oh, there's no doubt. You argue he's the best of all time yeah. through five years. Yeah, uh, more so than Brady. Statistically, especially. Did you see what he did on Sunday to play through a high ankle sprain? Mm, talking about conspiracy theories. 
That's not a high ankle sprain. There's just no chance. I'm telling you, man, the Chiefs are playing it perfect. That is not a high they ankle sprain. They are feeding into every narrative that you want to believe about him because all they continue to do is prove naysayers wrong. Yeah, we should probably give some love to John Elway as well, who uh, is definitely in the mix to be one of the best quarterbacks Career. of all time. Yeah, career, career. career. Yeah, but I think that was Cheese's question. But if, right? if if Patrick Mahomes is on this pace through the first five years of his career for the next ten years, it's without question. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cheese, we have time for and one I hope more that's not quick the one because that that just means my that'd Buffalo be, Bills be, are going to suffer that'd be, more. That would be bad news for you. Yeah, let's do it. Brock Purdy, he's oh. the favorite to open the uh, season next year as the 49ers starter. Oh man, I don't know, Brock. Brady. Brock Brady. Uh, yes, is the favorite for the San Francisco 49ers. And it's when I say Brock spot. Brady, it's Tom Brady. I mean, if this doesn't if this doesn't create the most clearest path for the San Francisco 49ers for Tom Brady to be their quarterback next year in a window right now that they are built to win. Say what you want about Trey Lance. They traded three first-round picks for him. That guy had a broken fibula and just come off of two different ankle surgeries. Mm-hmm. And you just had Brock Purdy, who is the greatest, one of the greatest stories in the NFL this year, blow out his elbow. You know what UCL is? That's Tommy John surgery. I know. I know. You know how long it takes for a pitcher to come back from Tommy John surgery? A year and a half. Nah, it's like nine months these days. Whatever it is. If the San Francisco 49ers want to eliminate this whole four-quarterback situation, Jimmy Garoppolo's done. He's not coming back. I mean, that guy year after year has gotten injured and at the biggest times has not played. This almost, and I said it yesterday, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, do you really want to entertain this scenario again next year where you're having issues with the health of your quarterback when you have the guy... Regardless of how old he is, he's superhuman. Throughout his career, he has been the most reliable and most consistent when it comes to health. Here's what I'd say. The Niners went through Garoppolo, Lance, Purdy, Josh Johnson. There's something about the Nick way... Nick Mullins? That was last year. So I, I think there's something about the way they operate offensively that might not be conducive to keeping the one's quarterback healthy. So you're going to throw a 46-year-old who runs as fast as I do. Yeah, but 46-year-old who got sacked the most times in his career last year mm-hmm. and still played every game. Yeah, and played every game poorly. Well, most of them anyways. Yeah, but. he led the league in, in throwing yards. Uh, I don't... Well, or he had the... No, Mahomes he had, did. Mahomes he did. had the most throwing yards in his career last year. In one season. I don't think that's accurate either. I think last year he did. But in any case, Brady and San Fran, I think that'll be an interesting saga. And we'll talk to Bruce Murray from SiriusXM NFL Radio about that in about one hour's time. We've got Chris Johnston standing by. He's up in about 11 minutes. First up continues after this. Rise and shine. A tough wake-up call this morning again. Tired as hell. It's time for bet. Let's just say I'm hammering the over. And breakfast. Roll out of bed, maybe make some coffee, have a bite to eat. Looking at FanDuel this morning, the Super Bowl betting line remains quite stagnant, which is probably to be expected. Things settling in as far as the Eagles and the Chiefs. The Eagles... Two-point favorites, and my guess is maybe trends a little bit towards Kansas City by game time, but I think the Eagles will head into the Super Bowl as the betting favorites on Sunday, February the 12th. One more betting thing I'd like to point out, Coco. The Islanders 
plus 205 to make the playoffs. Is that something you'd be sprinkling with Horvat in the fold? No. I would not. Because you know why? You know what team I have more faith in right now? Washington? The Buffalo Sabres. Oh. Pittsburgh, Washington, Buffalo? Yeah, so I can see that. Washington's at 58. Pittsburgh's at 57. Buffalo's at 56. Islanders at 55. And the Florida Panthers at 54. I love what Buffalo's doing. And... If they're in the market right now to make a big move at the trade deadline, I like their chances. Mm. They, to me, that top line is is legit, and they work really hard. They find themselves in a lot of games. Pittsburgh's a team I get really nervous about because they're aging. They are aging, indeed. And they've been so inconsistent. They'll make year. a trade for somebody at some point. They probably point. would. Well, you know who we'll ask? Chris Johnson, our hockey insider. He'll join us on their side. We'll also ask him... Were the Leafs in on Bo Horvat? Who were the finalists for his services before Vancouver shipped him to the Islanders yesterday? Our hockey insider, Chris Johnston, joins us next. This is Leafs Breakfast. The Toronto Maple Leafs, a day off yesterday, a day off today. They get ready for a big one tomorrow night down at the bank. It's the Leafs and the Bruins, and maybe the Leafs can close the gap just a little bit on Boston, who remain 11 points up on Toronto with a game in hand. This is Leafs Breakfast here on TSN 1050. But, Coco, the big news in the hockey world, a big-time deal yesterday made between the Islanders and the Canucks. Trade season officially Finally. Upon Let's bring Finally, in our, we <laughs> saw a trade. Let's bring in How our hockey insider. How excited are you, CJ? Yeah, Chris Johnson, you must be fired up this morning. Yeah, I was fired up last night, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, a little little surprising, maybe, that it, that it comes this soon. But I'm with you. It does, does maybe kick some action off, and I wonder if... You know, I, I don't I don't hate the return for Vancouver, but I do think it might signal that this could be a bit of a buyer's market, and so we'll see uh, if anything else spins out of this. CJ, do you believe the Maple Leafs had any deals on the table for Horvat with Vancouver at any point yesterday? No, I don't. I don't have any reason to believe that. No. Okay. CJ, if the Maple Leafs were to have been in the running for Bo Horvat, and you look at the deal that the Islanders made with the players that went back to Vancouver, what would that trade look like on a Maple Leafs perspective? <laughs> well, I don't know if they have the pieces, you know, truly. Um, you like know, we were talking earlier, like Beauvillier would probably be like a, like a Kerfoot. Ratu would probably be like a Robertson or a Hervenin, whatever, however they value those prospects. And the first-round pick is clearly not as desirable as what the Islanders could potentially offer. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure the Leafs would be or want to be in the business of trading a first-round pick for a rental player either. So, I mean, I, I just don't think this made a lot of sense for Toronto. I mean, like the the key part that comes out of from the Islanders' end of things is that they, they see him as someone they want to sign to an extension. So they gave up, you know, three pieces there, but, but they do it with the idea that they're going to be able to sign – Paul Horvat to an, to an extension, and I just don't I don't know that the Leafs would be in that position given the kind of season he's having. And you know, who knows? His next contract could be eight and a half, nine million dollars a year. I mean, obviously, with with the players the Leafs have, that there wouldn't be room for that. So I was just going to ask you. So is that the type of contract that you envision 
Bo Horvat signing something that's that's no eight and a half or higher, maybe in the nines when you're looking at measuring it up against Barzell, considering the commitment the Islanders made. And I guess the other question I have too is if the Islanders can't come to a decision with Barz with Horvat before the trade deadline, can you envision a scenario where they flip him again? I suppose anything's possible, right? He doesn't have any no trade protection, but you know, I, I don't I don't believe that was what was in their minds. You know, I, I think that, you know, we've seen this before, right? I remember a few years ago, John Gabriel Pajot got traded from Ottawa to, to the Islanders when he was on expiring contract, you know, pretty promptly signed an extension. Um, you know, Lou Lamorello has been at this game a, a long, long time. And, and, you know, I have to believe that, that he thinks there's a good chance that, that there's an extension here to be reached um, in making this deal. I, I just don't, think he would be giving up the assets he did without that in place and and you know as for where the number lands you know i could see it starting maybe with a nine but but certainly eight and a half i mean you look at guys like you know kachuk signed for what nine and a half i I don't think he's getting doesn't have the 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 comparables to get that high um you know and and really bo horvath's in the driver's seat here because if, if he doesn't like the offer from the islanders he can just you know go to july 1st and he's having a pretty good season that that he'd be taken to the open market chris how robust was the market for bo horvat how many teams were interested in him and how close were other teams to acquiring him before ultimately the islanders in vancouver were able to pull the trigger on that deal yesterday well i think if we go back a couple months you know since his name's been out there as, as a trade chip you know there's there was a lot of interest there was you know a lot of teams phoning to see what it might take a lot of teams probably heard the price and didn't get too much farther in, in the conversation. Um, you know, in, in terms of the last few days as, as Vancouver finished out this deal, I think you were down to a small handful. I believe Detroit was, was one of them that was at least having conversations with Vancouver, you know, pretty late. Um, you know, there's some talk that Seattle was there. I, I don't know if they were there right till the end. I think Boston was kind of kicking around a little bit, but you know, th- there weren't a lot of teams, frankly, that, that could meet this price. Um, and I think one thing some other teams were scared off by, not just the, the price to acquire him, but it, you know, the season he's having, you know, understanding what he's likely to sign his next contract for. I mean, if, if you're signing, if you're, if you're acquiring Bo Horvat, knowing you, you can extend him, it's a different sort of conversation than if you're just buying, you know, the last 30 games of the season. So CJ, as we see the first domino fall here with Bo Horvat being traded, where do teams go next now in the open market? Uh, teams that potentially you just mentioned missed out on him. Where, what's the next desirable piece that teams will focus their attention on? Well, I mean, I, if you're talking about the, the biggest name available, I, I think it's now Timo Meyer. Um, it doesn't mean that has to happen well in advance of March 3rd. You know, I think Vancouver's in a unique spot. I mean, first of all, Bo Horvat spoke yesterday about how hard the season's been. I think he wanted this to be over sooner rather than later, and, and the Canucks you know, tried to do right by him. He was their captain and spent a long time uh, with that organization. You know, Vancouver's also got some other moves it would like to make and other players that, that it's it's hoping to sell, um, you know, before March 3rd. So I think it's it's just from a practical standpoint, it's it's good to get some moves done early. If, if you're looking to make multiple moves, you don't want to leave them all until the last couple of days because it, it can be a lot to juggle. Um, you know, and... It'd just be interesting to see for me. There's so many big name forwards, right? That that are out there. I mean, 
Meyer might not be a big name in these parts, but if you look at the, the seasons he's had, a pretty pretty good player. It's still in the, the prime of his career. You've got some of the older players like Ryan O'Reilly, Tarasenko, potentially Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. Um, you know, I don't know if there's going to be enough first-round picks and premium assets moved to, to see all those guys traded. And so I wonder if over some time here we see the prices go down on, on some of those players if, if it's going to be a robust trade deadline. Chris Johnston, our guest, TSN Hockey Insider. You mentioned O'Reilly, who's currently injured. He's expected back in the middle of February. Patrick Kane is having a significant down year by his standards, and he's got as lofty standards as anybody in the National Hockey League. Do you think the returns for those two players, considering the circumstances, the injury to O'Reilly, the down year for Kane, would be in line with what Horvat was acquired for? I, well, I think it's going to be less. Myself, hmm. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the, the Kane situation is unique in that he has a full no movement clause too, and and as of this point in time, you know, I'm not 100 percent certain that he's going to move that or knows where he wants to go. You know, I think that there's a little nuance there. Um, you know, as for O'Reilly, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about players that are, what, six, seven years older than Bo Horvat, certainly having much less productive seasons. You know, O'Reilly, in his case, hasn't played, you know, for the last few weeks after suffering a broken foot. I, I think that, you know, it's not, I'm not saying there won't be a market for them and that there's no chance they're moved, but I, I just don't know that that their teams will be in a position to, to ask for the you know, you're not selling the five year, you know, five years ago version of these players. You're selling the current version, and so, um, you know, I, I don't think that that we'll see them match these returns. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Timo Meyer get a return that we we think is even bigger than what the Canucks got for Horvat, just because he's a restricted free agent, and you know, you're not buying him strictly as a rental, um, and he's also having a great year. But uh, this might be one of the high watermark trades we see, believe it or not, uh, leading this deadline. I, I do believe it's a buyer's market. There has been speculation that Timo Meyer has been linked to the Maple Leafs. Can you confirm that he's a piece that they they could potentially be looking at is to fill their top six role? I, I don't know that they're the favorite, to be honest. You know, because the teams that really like them, you know, teams like Carolina, New Jersey, you know, they, they like them with the idea that you're trading for them and then you're you're finding a way to extend them. And and sort of as I said previously with Bo Horvat, I don't know that the Leafs or in that position. I think if you're just talking strictly for a player, they could plug in their lineup. Of course, you know, there's a lot to like about Timo Meyer, but I, I don't know that he ticks all the boxes um, because of the kind of salary he's going to command beyond the season. I mean, he's got a $10 million qualifying offer for next year. Even if you were to sign him long-term and, and have him forgo that offer, he's probably getting something close to $9 million a year. Um, you know, so I'd be surprised if the Leafs emerged as one of the main teams in the bidding there, but, you know, that's that's why we'll sit back and wait and see. I, I think that they're probably looking for either, you know, more cost controlled players. So if, if the players have term have, you know, much less um, owed on their on their cap or or maybe they go down the rental market as well and you can just jam someone in for the rest of the season, but you're not really looking at a long term kind of acquisition. It's really interesting that as as Highly touted as Timo Meyer is, why the San Jose Sharks would be willing to part with a guy like that when they're a team that's rebuilding? It's a fair, uh, fair I, point. I mean, as a yeah. young player, don't you want to rebuild around players like that? Like, I, I don't understand the the idea behind moving him. Well, I think it comes down to the fact that it's you know relatively new front office uh, with Mike Greer. You know, they get one chance to kind of repaint the the office. 
itself. You know, they've already traded Brent Burns. They have a number of high-priced contracts, you know, everyone from Hurdle to Couture, um, you know, obviously Eric Carlson and guys like Vlasic. Uh, so I think that they want to ship out money in general and start a rebuild. And it's not that Timo Meyer isn't, isn't a good player and probably will be, but he, he might not be a dominant player when they're good again. It might be three or four years, right? And so if you give him $9 million a year, you've just got another big contract that's going to be tough to move as time goes along. And so I think that they're going to make a tough decision most likely and trade him. I mean, they haven't completely closed the door on signing him, um, but I think it's it's likely that they're moving in to, to sort of usher along their rebuild. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to move some of those other guys. It's just that, they all have such big cap hits. It's going yeah, to be Carlson seems like more of an off-season trade than in-season yeah, the, the, the complications surrounding that, making a move like that in-season, seem almost insurmountable. But then again, Carlson but leading the NHL and even strength points as a defenseman. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there that could potentially view him as a guy who could be a big-time difference maker. Again, Chris Johnston, our guest, TSN Hockey Insider. Final game before the... All-star break and then the bye week for the Maple Leafs kind of in conjunction. And they're taking on the Boston Bruins tomorrow night, the best team in the NHL. We've talked about what the Leafs could be looking for ahead of the deadline. Maybe a top six forward, maybe a bottom pair defenseman, maybe another goaltender to pair with Ilya Samsonov. What about the Bruins? Are they the big game hunting? You think they'll be looking for a real impact piece? Because, I mean, this team has virtually been flawless all year long, top to bottom. It's hard to really improve upon perfection, but... They have lost three games in a row, so who knows? Yeah, they are struggling. So what what, what do you think they're trying to do before the deadline? Well, here's what we know about Don Sweeney. I mean, he's been pretty aggressive, right? A couple years ago, he got Taylor Hall at the deadline. He got uh, Hampus Lindholm from Anaheim last year before the deadline. Extended both. Extended both, and and here's the problem. And and stop me if you've heard this before. They, They literally have, at this point in time, basically no cap space. So any any money that Boston brings in, they're going to have to ship money out as of right now. I mean, they could have a serious injury between now and the deadline, and maybe someone's on LTIR, and it's it's a different cap picture. But as it's lining up now, the Bruins are just a team that does not have a lot of flexibility to, to take the kind of swing they have in the past. Now they do have, you know, a couple players buried in the minors that are counting against them. You know, Mike Riley and, and Chris Wagner, maybe they find a way to ship those guys out. I mean, there's, there's going to be a way for them to make a trade, um, but I just don't know how sizable of a trade it's going to be. Uh, but, you know, the good news, of course, is that they're, they're humming along pretty well. They don't have many glaring needs. I think that they would, they would look at another forward. Um, you know, I think they're pretty comfortable with their defense. But, you know, unless something changes dramatically in terms of an injury between now and the deadline, I think that they're going to be adding sort of depth pieces that don't grab any big headlines just because – they probably don't really need it, and, and they just the cap won't allow them to do it. Well, at least we got a trade in the in the yeah break already. more CJ. So that was fun yesterday. We got to keep them going, and it sounds like there'll be a lot of action before the March third trade deadline. You'll be all over it for us here at TSN. Thanks for doing this, Chris. All right, boys, have a great day. You too. Yeah, That's our hockey insider, Chris Johnston, big Cowboys fan as well. Big news there in Dallas. Kellen Moore out of Dallas now. The OC four. The Chargers. Good spot for him. Great landing spot for Kellen good Moore. Spot can't really find a better. on the hot seat. Yeah, I don't know if Kellen Moore would take over as head coach. That's, I feel like that's Sean Payton's job next year after uh, you think the so? Chargers flame out I mean, the Why wouldn't they do it this year if they want him? What are they going to wait one more year for? Yeah, maybe they can never really afford Sean Payton. I don't know. But 
Yeah. It was was who's the owner there? Spanos. Spanos. Yeah. I mean, if if everything you're saying about him is true, where he just he's cheap and doesn't want to spend. Well, cheap is re- is a relative term. When you own an NFL team, there's only so cheap well, so, so cheap you can be. That's the that's the verdict out on him. Yeah, so. it is. Anyways, we'll talk some NFL with Bruce Murray from Sirius XM NFL Radio. The Brock Purdy situation, man, it is just a very sad one. Speaking of NFL, when we come back after the break, I want to get into you of the newest conspiracy theories. Yes. That was released yesterday. Damar Hamlin? No. (laughs) About the NFL being rigged. Oh, the NFL is rigged. Okay, I knew that has nothing to do with officials. All right, we'll get into that. Hour three of First Top next.